Welcome to the Sober Nation FM podcast, where we're putting recovery on the map. I'm your host, Jonathan Sylvester. This show is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Do you want to take your recovery to the next level? Do you want more support, community, and fellowship? Sobriety Engine is an incredible community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. You can get a ton of great tips, resources, and guidance to help you succeed in recovery and in life. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. Sober Nation FM is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle all while supporting your sobriety, then you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave a review. Nation, let's hop right into today's episode. Today, I'll be speaking with the founder of Retired Party Girl, Tori Felder. Thanks for coming on the show, Tori. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. And before we jump into talking about the Retired Party Girl community and how all of that got started, how did you end up finding recovery after being a self-proclaimed party girl for so many years? That's a great question. Um, So I had tried a couple years before to be sober um, through therapy. My therapist had suggested that I should take 30 days off of drinking. I was like, okay, yeah, whatever, but I don't have a problem with drinking. Everyone my age blacks out. This is totally normal behavior. I ended up taking the 30 days and I came into her office after the 30 days with a list of things in my life that had gotten significantly better since I stopped drinking. And I was like bouncing off the wall. So excited. I ended up making it to like 72, 74 days or something like that. And what I was lacking was that community support. Mm. And all of my friends were still drinking at that time. I was like 24 years old. So still really young. A lot of my friends were still in that party stage. Um, So I ended up slipping. I, through that 72-ish day period, I never was like, I'm sober. I'm sticking to this. It was like, I feel so much better because I haven't drank in X amount of days. Um, Anyway, so fast forward to this last December when I finally made the decision to stop altogether. Um, I didn't really have like a rock bottom, but I knew that I was really tired of feeling hungover and I was really tired of feeling um, self-conscious about the way I was acting when I would black out or drink too much. And the decision just kind of clicked for me. I think it helped having the task of knowing what it feels like to stop drinking for a period of time. And then knowing that I wanted to do that again and something just kind of clicked in. I got on Instagram and the first account I followed was Sober Girl Society with Millie Gooch. And from her Instagram, I found a ton of other sober influencers and people who were like me. They were young and they had big, full, joyful lives. They were still sexy. They were still going out and doing these fun things, but they just didn't drink. And so that was really inspiring to me because prior to that, I looked at sobriety as being like this old 60 year old man in a biker gang um, because that's really (laughs) the only example that I had. And when I saw that these other women who were young and vibrant and still living these like really full, exciting, joyful, sexy lives, but just not drinking, I was like, okay, I'm fully on board with this. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Now, not to like dive into what was going on in these therapy sessions or anything like that, but like, was there anything that, that maybe you could share with us that you were going to uh, your therapist with? Because I think this actually, I like this has come up on the show a lot. And this comes up in conversations that I have with people like the first, you know, introduction to anything recovery or sobriety related comes from their their therapist. And this just this doesn't just get brought up out of the blue, right? Like there, there's a reason that, that someone is bringing this up to us. Was there anything that, that was going on? I know you said you didn't really hit a rock bottom, but what were some like the negative things going on in your life maybe that, that your therapist like, that prompted her to bring that stuff up? Yeah, I should clarify. When I sure. say that there wasn't a rock bottom, right, right. there was thousands of rock okay. bottoms. Okay. I just, yeah, yeah. yeah, I just, there wasn't one where I was like, I'm done, I got to stop drinking. It was, it kind of slowly turned into stuff. But yes, so lots of things. Um, blacking out and cheating on partners was a mm. big one. So drinking too much and then cheating on people that I cared about and then um, having to deal with the consequences after that, but knowing that that wasn't my true intention, right? Like the alcohol had not to blame it on alcohol, but it had changed my personality and my inhibition so much that I was doing things that I just truly didn't want to do or that Mm -hmm. didn't align with my personality at all. So things like that. um, I talk about it a lot on retired party girl, but, and I think we should talk about it more, especially with women is the promiscuity that happens when we're drinking and the risk involved with that, as far as like STIs or not knowing who you're going home with. And if that person is dangerous and putting yourself in really risky situations, there were plenty of times where I woke up and I was like, how did I get here? And who are you? Hmm. Which is like a little funny, you know, like we, I can kind of giggle about it now, but in reality, that's really scary. Yeah. Uh, I'm lucky that nothing worse happened to me. So, and a lot of the women I've connected with through retired, retired party girl feels the same way and I've had similar experiences. So I would say the promiscuity, um, putting myself in really risky situations. There were a few times I drove when I was really heavily intoxicated like not remembering certain parts of the drive um i can't relate to that at all <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> oh my god you're like i'm I, judging I, you <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I, I was thinking like yeah there may have been once or twice that i that i drove yes. under the influence <laughs> it's so stupid too because you're like i can do this i'm totally oh, fine I know. and then the I'm next better, day you're I'm like a better driver actually drunk. when i'm yeah. when i'm under the influence that's, that's my yes. favorite. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So things like that. Um, I think the main thing, the main takeaway was that my internal dialogue, thing, my morals, my values weren't lining up with any of my actions. Hmm. And so I was always confused. I was always conflicted. I was always feeling like shit about myself and not understanding why. And it took for me to stop drinking to be like, oh, the way I was acting wasn't aligning with what I truly wanted, what I truly felt. No wonder you had a bunch of anxiety and ended up in therapy. Wow. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I really, I think about that, that alignment just in life being so important. That's cool that you picked up on that. I I didn't, you know, have any of of that going on pre sobriety or or even early sobriety. Like that's still, you know, even a few years into this deal, that's that's some new stuff. But I think it's so important, right? Because it's like 
for, I think for so many of us, like you said, the person that we become, you know, uh, under the influence of these substances, like it's just not who we really are. It's not in alignment with, with what we want or our morals or any of those things. I think that's really, really well said. And I think we should all be thinking about like, you know, just am I, am I in, align, in alignment with, with what I want to be basically. So that's great. So right. you, you go to your therapist, you do these 72 days, you slip, you get on Instagram, you see all the man. And like, I wish that I had, because uh, I'm not going to say six-year-old in, in biker gang, but I was like definitely hanging out with like a lot of older guys. And one of the things that I struggled with was like, I really wanted to meet some younger people. I finally did. And, um, you know, it was, it was super helpful um, to, to have that, that crew of guys. But you see all this on Instagram. Where does that take you from there? Like, what, what do you start doing in terms of your, your recovery? What does that look like? Oh, man. So I connect with a lot of the younger girls that I'm seeing on Instagram. I realize that somehow I'm living in Seattle, which has all of these sober young women on the same path as me. Mm-hmm. Um, I connect with my friend, Kate Gleason, and She's like, hi, I live in Seattle. I see that you also live in Seattle. Do you want to meet up? And I'm like, yes. And she's like, I actually have another friend that's sober. Can we all meet up? I'm like, definitely. So it turns into this group of about eight to 10 of us in Seattle, all around the same age, all trying to live alcohol-free lifestyles, um, all from different walks of life, all have different stories leading up to it. And we create this community of supportive, compassionate, and sober women who want to go do karaoke. Granted, we haven't done that yet because of COVID, but we want to go to brunch. We want to drink alcohol-free wine and watch The Bachelor, or, you know, we want to do all those things that everyone else is doing our age. We just don't want to be hungover. And again, we want to align with who we really are. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool that you connected with all those people like that. And, uh, and it sounds like that was, you said that was kind of like the missing, one of the missing links before, right? The community right. aspect. And then I, I kind of realized that we were lucky in Seattle. And I had so many people messaging me saying, how did you meet sober friends? I want sober friends. How, how did you guys all meet each other? And I, we realized how lucky we are to live in somewhere like Seattle, where there are all walks of life and we feel comfortable saying these things. We, it's very liberal here. We're in a liberal bubble. Sure. Um, and I had people from Utah or Idaho or Texas saying, I don't have any sober friends. And then that kind of sparked the idea for like the whole online community for RTG so that all of us could connect in one space, even if it wasn't in person. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and something that's, I think for so many people, a necessity right now, right. For people that, you know, aren't going to recovery meetings or really getting out or anything like that, which is myself right now. So uh, what do you feel like is the, the biggest struggle you've had early on in sobriety? Um, yeah. Dating, 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 okay. dating. Yeah. So I'm so glad you're, you're bringing this up because, you know, like I, I really like talking. So I'm, I'm married, but I still like talking about this topic because I feel like people have so many different viewpoints on it. Like it's just, always, yes. it's always an interesting thing. So what, what are some things that maybe 
Um, well, you're saying it's it's been kind of a, a struggle or, or maybe an adjustment for you. Um, do you maybe have some like helpful tips or or things that you know people should be aware of when it comes to dating and sobriety? Oh my God, absolutely! It threw me for a loop that I was not prepared for. So first of all, I was so nervous. It was the one time. So I've been sober for about eleven months, and it's okay. been the one time in the 11 months where I was like, I have to drink. I was like, there's just no way around this. I cannot go on a first date without having a glass or two of mm-hmm. wine before. Yeah. And it was just like, my mind could not wrap around the fact that I could go on the state without drinking before. It's just like, it was like, I got to go to the store. I got to get a bottle of wine. It's over. Um, didn't decided to like muster up the courage and go. And it was a terrible date, but I learned a lot. Um, <laughs> terrible like so terrible I've talked about this before in other videos and podcasts but um I learned a lot so one of the things I learned is that if someone is apprehensive about you not drinking you probably shouldn't be on the date with them so this person was a little like are you sure you don't want to drink and I was like yeah you know like I don't drink I don't really want to go into it but I don't drink and there was a lot of like do you want to sip oh you want a sip of my drink and it was like no I already said that I don't drink yeah so I mean, there's a boundary there that I think should be intuitive. It should be like, oh, she said she's not drinking or he said he's not drinking. I'm not going to push that anymore. Um, I think if the person is drinking a lot more than you to the point where you can notice they're intoxicated, it's probably time to go. Um, (laughs) And that was a hard adjustment for me, too, is I didn't really know how to leave the situation once I knew it wasn't a positive situation anymore so I had to figure out an exit plan so I would say one before you go have an exit plan so if that's like texting your friend and being like hey if I text you this word call me and say that you need me to pick you up or something I wish that I would have had some type of exit plan to get out of it um socially awkward a code word like pineapple okay get me out of here yeah exactly call me there's a, a fake emergency that i need to yeah. step away right now. yeah <laughs> and you have, you have to be a good actress too you have to be like oh, what no. what happened oh i've got to get out of here yeah oh exactly my, i gotta go right away yeah. yeah so maybe practice that in front of the mirror before your date um also so exit plan if they're drinking a lot more than you probably time to go time to utilize that exit plan pineapple um and if they're apprehensive about your drinking, when you tell them, best it's, it's probably not going to work out. They have their own issues with drinking or alcohol, their own relationship with it that you shouldn't try to understand. Um, yeah, so it's, it's been an adjustment to date. Yeah. I, I did have, on the positive side, I did date someone who was very respectful of me not drinking, and that is possible. So he would have like a couple beers, and I would obviously not drink. He would bring me sparkling water or different drink options so that I would have some variety to choose from when we would hang out. And that was wonderful and so respectful. So it's yeah. out there, but there's also the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think that's very honest because, you know, for the most part, I think most people don't care. Like you say, I'm not drinking or I don't drink or whatever. And it's like, you know, it doesn't matter. Like it's on to the next thing. Um, But sometimes it's like, you know, there's like a pause, like, 
well, what's going on? Oh. I've, I've had some of my buddies say that like, you know, they've gone on first dates or they're going on first dates or they're dating someone. And it's like, they're just waiting for the conversation to happen where it's like, why don't you drink? <laughs> and, and you know it can be a, it can be a tough thing it can be an adjustment for sure and but I think you know definitely on a first date like you don't have to explain that to anyone I don't think right and I, I try to tell people you can come up with like whatever funny answer you want like I like to tell people like oh why don't you drink I'm like oh I was a psycho when I did drink or like yeah I make light of it but I'm sure saying that now the guy is probably like yeah. okay yeah <laughs> don't say well, the word psycho on the first date <laughs> yeah no no I, I i mean honest though honest, honest and funny i mean i i like it so right how, how did you i mean you you linked up with all these other uh man that's that's so cool that you met all these other people online and then they were in your area in seattle so how did yeah. you come up with the idea for a retired party girl and what's it all about yeah, so that was kind of where the idea came from was mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, we are so lucky. We are so privileged to have each other here. It's insane. Um, so many people are feeling so isolated right now with COVID. Like you said, a lot of people in the AA community are just doing their virtual meetings. And I don't know if you've seen on Netflix, um, social distancing. They have an episode about someone in AA. Yeah, I have. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I felt like that captured it perfectly. So if mm -hmm. you haven't seen that and you're listening, um, it's a great, it's episode number one of um, social distancing. But anyway, so I knew that there was potential there to create online connections um, just because I all of a sudden had this group of friends that I made on Instagram. I actually just did a story today. I was laughing because I used to make fun of people who had Instagram friends. Like right. I would make fun of bloggers who would like go meet other bloggers. And I was like, that's so fake. They're not real friends. Mm -hmm. And I've made actual real friends. These people I call if I'm upset. These people know intimate details about my life. They know my fears, my dreams, my hopes. And I didn't think that was possible virtually, but I found out that it was. So I knew there was a huge potential for me to create a community of retired party girls. So these girls who knew what it was like to be promiscuous and did not want to live that way anymore, who knew what it was like to be puking and not knowing how you got to where you got where you're puking in the morning. And um, basically, I created almost like a social media platform. That's kind of what Retired Party Girl is. You have your own profile. You can see other members. We have online and in-person events. We have book clubs. We have groups within the group, like we have an LGBTQ plus group. We have a sober moms group. We have uh, boozeless brides, so women who are planning their weddings and in COVID and being sober, because that's a big thing. Like, you're oh, not drinking yeah. on your wedding day? Yeah. That's a huge thing. Um, so we have a lot going on. We have a lot of community. We have over 150 members. We have um, super sober Sunday soul sessions. So every Sunday, Sunday night, we set goals and affirmations for our week. And we like go that. over our weekends together. Um, yeah, so it's, it's just a community of supportive, compassionate women. That's really cool. That's really cool. I love that. And, you know, when you were mentioning, like, meeting up with, with all these other girls and the, the whole reason that this got started in the first place, I mean, that makes sense to me, though, like, that people would meet up. Because, again, like, back to the alignment that you were talking about, like, these people are in 
alignment with what it is you're doing and what you want to be and what you're into. So, I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me, actually. Well, we've talked about this before. I tell them all the time. I'm like, we're friends because we're sober, but we're also friends because of more than that. We have Mm -hmm. similar interests. We are all really into health or we're into mental health or we're into self-development books or we like to read and or hike like yes we're here and we met each other because we're sober but other parts of our lives align also yeah which has been really interesting and I'm constantly mind blown I'm constantly like oh you guys like that too and they're like yes like we're all on the same page here it's like it shocks me all the time in the best way yeah, that's really cool. Well, and there's there's more, I think sometimes, you know, we can get into the steel where, you know, I'm sober, but maybe I kind of see other people like this. There's more to people than just being sober, right? I mean, yeah. like we we have we have other interests. So I mean that that makes sense to me. Now, one of the things that I've seen you mention probably more than once as I was uh, you know, stalking your your Instagram a little bit, uh, is the importance of a sobriety and anxiety toolkit. So what are a few of the things that you think everyone should have in their toolkit? And really, maybe what are some of the things that you think people should have in their toolkit that they might be, that you see a lot of people missing maybe? Yeah. Um, well, the biggest thing is that accountability partner or just someone that you feel like you can connect with about your sobriety. It doesn't have to be a group of 10 girls in your city like it is for me. Like I said, it's like very privileged, very lucky to have that. But just having one person, maybe new person that didn't know you before and isn't putting like these past judgments on you, it kind of feels like when you're in new sobriety it feels like people are like oh you've changed or oh you think you're better than me now and that can be like a really heavy weight to carry Mm -hmm. so I always tell people like reach out on Instagram if there's a profile you really like send them a message and be like hey could we exchange phone numbers like if I go to a party I want to be able to text you and say I'm going to a party tonight there's going to be alcohol there can you be my accountability buddy And um, you don't have to be best friends with this person, but it's just someone who knows what it's like to be in your shoes and can support you almost like a sponsor in AA. Sure. Yeah. So um, I would say have an accountability partner. Journaling is huge. Um, I actually just had a friend today call me and say, I had so much anxiety, but I journaled it out. I'm like, great. So it can be a huge anxiety helper. Good for your anxiety toolkit. Um, any type of exercise or movement is good. Um, so a craving can only last so long. So I think if you can go on a 10 minute walk around your neighborhood, or if you can literally do jumping jacks in your bedroom, 20 jumping jacks, movement really, really helps and helps distract your mind. And then maybe when you come back to it, the craving won't be as strong. Um, yeah, so I would say journaling therapy is a privileged thing. Not everyone can afford therapy. Not everyone can go to therapy, but it's been a huge lifesaver for me if you can. Um, accountability buddy and um, movement, movement for your body. Yeah, yeah, that's a huge one. You know, I have, uh, since I'm a, a fitness and, and nutrition coach uh, myself, I have the conversation all the time since most of the people I work with are, are in recovery that all of the things that well many of us use and sometimes you know still need to use like anxiety medication and and all this stuff movement 
literally creates those same chemicals in the body. Like that's how they figure out how to make this medication. Like they're looking for those same things that our body naturally produces. But I'm also with you, like changing your physical state, uh, even momentarily, like doing some jumping jacks or something like that. I think that's a great tip because, you know, if there is a craving or, or anxiety or something coming up, just snapping yourself out of that physically, I think you're right, can really kind of pull you out of that, right? Just changing your scenery even, or like mm. even showering. So showering is a huge self-care thing that I don't think people utilize enough. If I'm feeling really crappy, even if I showered that morning, I will go take a hot shower and I will always feel better afterwards. It's just cleansing, literally, yeah. and um, can be mentally cleansing too. So a shower can be a really easy to use tool to have and accessible to everyone. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's a, that's a great tip. So are, are there maybe some things that you think people are missing from, from their toolkit? Like maybe like, cause I'm, I'm sure you have a lot of women reach out to you. Um, and I know you have, you know, women that are new coming into the community. Like what is, what are maybe some common things you see missing from people's toolkits? Would you say? 100% supportive friends and family. Hmm. 100%. Is that something that, that you struggled with? Like, did you have some, because I know I had some friends that, I don't want to say weren't supportive, but it, it just, that, that alignment wasn't there, right? Um, yeah. Is that something you experienced at all? Totally. Like what you said, you just sense that there's something there that they're not on board with. No one, I don't think anyone has the balls to outwardly say, I don't support you not drinking. Like yeah, that would yeah. be, you'd be like, you're ridiculous. It's just almost this thing you sense. And a lot of the women I know and talk to that are in the community and in recovery, we don't really use that term with RPD, but that works too. Living alcohol free say that I feel like my friends are judging me. I feel mm -hmm. like my family is judging me. I'm worried about the holidays because I don't want my family to ask why I'm not drinking. This comes up consistently and it has since RPG started. Um, so that's why this whole community aspect is so important because you need someone that's like, you are doing this for you. This is best for what you want. Screw what everyone else thinks. They'll come on board eventually. Someone really, really cares about you and wants what's best for you they will eventually support you. It might be confusing. They might wonder where their party friend went. They might think that you're going through something. They might be scared that you're changing or growing, but people who love you and support you will eventually hop on the train. Yeah, no, that, that's a great point. And yeah, I, I guess the people being scared that you're growing. That's something that I, I don't hear often. I think that's so true, right? Like, especially if it's maybe a closer friend or something, it's like, you know, maybe this person gets pissed because you're like, oh, do you think you're better than me? And, you know, and it's like, no, you're just going in a different direction. And, and I think you're right. Like the community is just so important because even when family does care, and, and I would say that I'm someone that's been blessed enough to have a super supportive family and everything like like my dad he he just like like he smoked a joint one time uh didn't like it <laughs> uh stopped like never had really issues with alcohol like he said he remembered one time like kind of I don't even he didn't even describe it as like getting out of control but like maybe his words slurring a little bit because he had had too much to drink and he basically just stopped drinking 
And he was like, like he never drank again. Yeah. And, and basically, yeah, pretty much like just, I mean, he would have a beer occasionally, but that was like it. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's not me. And, but he just did not understand it. I remember that he said that, um, he would ask me like, what is it that you like, like describe to me, like, what did you like about mm -hmm. taking drugs and alcohol? Like, to the excess and I remember him telling me that he was like you know I didn't like the feeling when, when I drank too much because I felt out of control and I was like yeah but that's what I liked <laughs> you liked the release of the control that, yeah exactly yeah that's that's better said I think yeah that is so interesting and it's yeah. so it's not funny it's ironic that your dad is the type of person who's like i don't like this and like pushes yeah. it away and then you're over here like rock on to yeah, the end and he's exactly. like what is happening yeah complete opposite yeah. <laughs> complete opposite yeah. but he i guess my point is like he cared and I, I think many of us have caring families a lot of the times they just they're scared they don't understand it um yeah. you know they don't understand a lot of the times i know like i'm talking about my own family like how they've enabled me and like mm. I've manipulated them into it, of course, but right. You right. know, and so there, there's all these different layers and all these different things going on. So I think you're right. Like having almost having that second family is what it sounds like with, with retired party girl. Yeah, it's, it's important. And um, you can't change your family. So you, you would never hmm. be able to have your dad fully understand um, and some of the girls I talk to and that are in the community, their family will never truly understand, but they can still do what's best for them. That's true. That's and true. That's, that's what it comes down to is just doing what's best for you, regardless of people in your life fully understand or not. Yeah. I want to ask you about, I'm going to call it a movement. I don't know if that's the right word, but, but yes. the sober curious movement. Yes. I like that. Okay. So I, I brought this up a couple times on the show and I'll be honest, I think my like one of the reasons that I started doing the show and I was excited to do the show is because I knew I would get to hear different viewpoints and, and people doing things differently in recovery um, than I did. Like, you know, I was one of those people like I'm, I'm a 12 step guy, still am, you know, love it. That's what works for me. And I think early represent. on. Yeah, yeah, represent. And I think early on. I was like, you know, if someone's not doing it like this, then they're not doing it the right way. And I think I was just on fire for like my recovery, right? I was new to all this. Uh, so that's all right. Um, but I've come to see that's not really the case. And like the sober curious thing, I think was something that I was a little like, eh, you know, are, are these people, are they trying to save their lives? Are they, you know, are they really struggling? Like I was struggling you know, now I don't really think it matters, but like, what are your thoughts on, on just like this whole sober curious deal? Like, I want to hear. I think you. it's so fascinating. I really do because I've gotten some nasty messages from people about me not being sober enough, or if I post that I slip, then enabling other people and telling other people it's okay to slip too. And alcohol free mm -hmm. options are triggering and all these things. But so my mom is a recovering alcoholic. She was an alcoholic my entire childhood. Okay. It, it defined my childhood and was one of the main reasons I got into therapy in the first place because I am an adult child of an alcoholic. I grew up going to AA meetings when she was sober and then dealing oh, wow. with her when she relapsed. So I'm very familiar with AA. Um, we had them at our house. I know exactly how they run, how they work. Yeah. Um, for my mom, so this is interesting, I have like two sides of it. So my mom's side 
she can't drink alcohol-free options. She doesn't. She doesn't even like the smell of them. I've mm. tried to be like, do you want to try this? And her whole face shuts down. She can't do it. She's gotten DUI. She's been in jail. Like her life, she had to get sober. She's been sober for two years. Um, two years in October. She had to get sober because it was life or death. She was going to die. Yeah. It was no, like, there is no other way around it. She would be dead. Then there's people like me who knew alcohol wasn't serving me. It wasn't making me the best version of myself. I made some really crappy decisions, probably could have gotten in worse trouble than I did, but just kind of slowly decided like, hey, this isn't for me. I, it wasn't life or death. Mm-hmm. So I can see both sides of it. I think yeah. that there's, it's it's two different communities. I, I do. I think that my mom could maybe relate to some of the things we say at Retired Party Girl and maybe find some community in it. Um, but I don't think that it was life or death for a lot of us. I, I think it could eventually have ended up there right, down the right. road. Yeah. I drove drunk. That's life or death. Mm-hmm. You know, I went home with a random stranger who knows if he was a serial killer. That's life or death. Right. So it just, it depends on like your perspective, but I can totally see how a 12 stepper, as you called yourself, um, <laughs> would, would take offense to that because for people like my mom, it, it was like this or that. Right, and there right. was there wasn't any choice in it really. Mm, Whereas mm. for for my community and, and for me personally, I, I won't speak for the whole community because there's tons sure. of women in there. But for yeah. for myself personally, it was it was a choice. Mm. Yeah. Before before it got to the point where it wasn't. If that yeah. Sense. Yeah. No, it does. And you know, actually, I was just having a conversation with with a guy yesterday um, that was in a twelve step program for a long time, and. I hadn't talked to this guy in a while and he's been sober for almost a year now. And like, he's doing good. And, you know, he made the decision after years of going in and out of a 12 step program that, um, you know, he's really found what he needed in going to church, you know? And I was like, look, man, like, I think one one thing I do like is, you know, like on the back of the AA chips, it says to thine own self be true. And I think that's really like, no matter, it doesn't matter. It's who's, who am I to say, you know, what works for somebody. Um, and, and so again, like my thinking is, has definitely changed on that. Um, and, and that's what I told this guy. I was just like, what? and he said that people, you know, there were some people, some like hardcore people, not everyone, but like kind of giving them shit about it. And, um, you know, those aren't friends necessarily. Right. But, um, I, I think it's really cool that there are uh, there are other options out there, and I, I think that that's that's important. That's the point, right? That's the point of retired party girls that there needs to be other options because not everyone sees themselves in AA. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Holly Whitaker's book "Quit Like a Woman," but she talks, and this is not against anyone who's in AA, but a lot of the original chapters of the blue book um, Mm -hmm. are misogynist. So um, there are, there's some things in there that don't align with everyone. Written written back in the day, for sure. Right. Yeah. 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 So um, it doesn't align with everyone and there needs to be other options for community. And that's the point. If people feel like AA works for them, great. If people need something like retired party girl, because they're young women, great 
if people need church, great. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't think there's gatekeepers of sobriety. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that that's it. And um, I think, you know, the conclusion that I kind of came to is if somebody is staying sober for whatever reason, whether it was really life or death, or like you said, and I, like I've heard other people say on this show, like it just wasn't serving them. They saw maybe where it was leading and and what was ahead. And they were able to make that change earlier on. Um, You know, if someone is sober and like what I wanted was to be sober and happy, you know, and if someone is sober and happy and, and living a great life, then it's like, well, what are we, what are we arguing about? What are we about mad here? about? Yeah. yeah. Well, what are we what, mad what's about? What's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> You're too happy. I don't yeah, like it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I don't like it. Uh, so as I was going through your website, I saw that there was a, uh, a survival guide. Yeah. Can you tell yes. me a little bit about that? I actually have it right here, but um, I created a 12 month survival guide. Um, it's a PDF. I hope I had the worst time trying to get this printed, but um, so it's a PDF. You could print it out or you can type on it, which I know a lot of people would prefer just having it on their computers. And it goes into four different quarters and it helps you. It's journaling prompts and some letter writing to yourself and a lot of like self-love, self-healing exercises and prompts to help you kind of dive deeper into why you started drinking I think it's really interesting, especially women my age and a little bit younger. We just drink because it's what people are doing. We don't ever question. We don't ever question like, why at the frat are we taking pictures of our friends puking in the toilet? Mm -hmm. Because they drank too much poison and now they're sick. It's just when you actually think about it, it starts to freak you out a little bit. And then you can't unsee it, right? So. The point of the survival guide was just that I wanted people to kind of think about their relationship with alcohol the way that I have and um, kind of dive deeper into their selves and get to know themselves a little bit better without drinking and um, have some healing go on too and kind of a journaling activity. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And so, uh, man, the community sounds awesome. The survival survival guide. I mean, that sounds like something that's that's super helpful. And I'm guessing that kind of gets into yeah. the uh, sobriety and anxiety toolkit stuff a little bit there. Yes. Yeah, so, and like we have a shame cycle thing that we do in there. Okay. Um, so usually it starts with drinking. And then you do something that you're not proud of. Mm. Then you feel shame. And then to deal with the shame, you drink. And it's like this cycle that goes on and on and on until you finally are like, wait, I'm in a totally destructive, toxic cycle. And I need to start thinking about why I'm doing these things. So there's a whole thing on shame cycles and different things like that that can really help you think about your relationship with alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, and that's some of the stuff that, um, and again, I'm not, I'm not knocking like, I I think the 12 step stuff at all, you know, um, I think it's important that everyone like stay open-minded about all this, because I think even when you say like, okay, like this is the thing I'm going to do 12 step, or this is the thing I'm retired party girl or whatever it is. 
there's always other stuff out there that that we can try. Like there's always new things. Like I feel like so many things that, that have helped me, it's just like, you know, stuff I see in self-help books and, you know, right. all kinds of different stuff. You know, it's not even, it's not even, uh, you know, necessarily directly recovery related, kind of like some of the things you're talking about, but it can help uh, the recovery process so much. Well, what's so interesting is that when you take out alcohol, you realize all of this other shit that's wrong with you hmm. that you have to kind of dive into, right? So you're like, oh, I was drinking because I'm insecure about my relationship with men. Hmm. So then not recovery related, but then you have to start doing some work on your relationship with men. Yeah. Or I was drinking to cover up my social anxiety. Okay, social anxiety, not directly related to alcohol, but oh, I have to do some work about my social anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so you mm -hmm. take out alcohol and then you have like all of these other things that are usually like therapy, self-help related that come to the surface. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, that's that's all good stuff. I think a toolkit, right? Gotta have a, gotta have a lot of toolkit. Tool a lot of different stuff. Yeah. It's all good. Okay. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about what your recovery looks like today. Like what, what are you actually doing yourself these days? I know we probably talked about some of the stuff already, but maybe not all of it. Yeah. Um, I go to therapy every week, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy that helps. Um, I do my Sunday meetings, even though I'm the host, I still get so much community from it. Yeah. Um, these people are my friends. Um, we do events. Usually I have like a weekend in-person event with some of the Seattle girls in my community journaling. I'm actually working through the survival guide myself. Uh, we do that together as a community once a month. And um, I still love the alcohol-free options. I do that if I'm going out to hang out with friends and um, reading. I'm always, always, always reading something that's helpful. So right now I'm reading The Unexpected Joy of Being Single. That's my newest endeavor is being consciously single. Um, and before that, I read The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober, mm -hmm. which is amazing by Catherine Gay Gray. Um, yeah, reading has helped me so much. Quitlet is, has solidified all of my thoughts about being sober. That's awesome. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good. Yeah, good books, for sure. You mentioned the community. Therapy, if you can do it. Uh, yeah, that was something not accessible that, to everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was something that that early on was helpful for me, uh, for sure. Uh, so that's that's all good stuff. So I want to ask before we wrap up here, if there's maybe one piece of advice that you would like to share with the sober nation. Okay, so if this is someone who's thinking about sobriety and mm -hmm. they're curious about it, I would say try 30 days. This is just try 30 days. Um, add all the people on Instagram that you can reach out to them, send us messages, tell us that you're trying 30 days. It is the most compassionate, empathetic community I have ever been a part of. No one belittles you if you make a mistake. Um, no one shuts you down. No one puts off your feelings. You feel validated. You feel secure. You feel safe. Um, I would say try 30 days and just log how amazing you feel. This is what I tell all of my friends who are interested in trying a alcohol-free lifestyle. I'm like, go for a month and log how amazing you feel. And it will be so clear to you that your life is significantly better without alcohol. 
Wow. Yeah, that's yeah, because you have to give it a shot to see really what the benefits are, right? Right. Yeah, that's uh, that's simple. But I think, you know, you said that it was pretty profound in your life. And I think that it's something that, um, you know, that would probably help a lot of people. So that is that is awesome advice. I really like that. So you can connect with Tori on Instagram at the retired party girl. And you can learn more about her community at retiredpartygirl.com. Thanks again for coming on the show, Tori. Thank you, Jonathan. Be sure to check out the show notes for all the info from today's episode. Sober Nation FM is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Sobriety Engine is a free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. This show is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle while supporting your sobriety, you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And again, whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave us a review. Nation, thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.